Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you at our McKinney campus and those of you watching online. Will you join me in welcoming them? Thank you guys for being here. Well, we're continuing our Christmas classic series, and what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of these familiar songs that we all love so much that are traditional and nostalgic. I don't know about you, Oh Holy Night is one of my all-time favorites. Can we give another hand to Miss Jeannie and the orchestra? I'm glad they didn't ask me to sing it. We all would have been in trouble. The orchestra is powerful too. I don't know where they went. If they came back, that'd be fine with me. Give me a little extra gravitas while I'm up here talking with you. But we've been in this series, Christmas Classics, and here's what we've been asking this question. Why is it that these songs move us? Whether it's White Christmas or I'll Be Home for Christmas or a song like Oh Holy Night, we hear it, and it's more than just words, it's more than just the music, it's touching something in us that we feel at a deep level that sometimes we even struggle to articulate. And it's not just about the songs, what we've been saying is these longings, these desires, these things that we carry with us, that we hope at Christmas to be fulfilled in these areas, What happens is they point us to these biblical truths, these biblical realities that help us to understand the reason we feel these things is not a surprise. God designed us this way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter two. We're gonna be looking at a familiar passage of scripture, especially during our Christmas season. Well, this is a big week. A lot of exciting things happening in the next seven days. We'll have, it's our first, as Pastor Jeff said, our first Christmas in our new building. In the next seven days, we'll have more people come through Milestone than ever before for a series of services. And every person matters to God. It's an exciting time. But when we think about the song and we think about what's happening in our lives, I think about Oh Holy Night. And, and like I told you, it's one of my favorites. You may not know this. I just learned this this week. But the history of the song goes back to 1847. A small parish priest in France commissioned someone in his community to write a poem for Christmas. So he went to a winemaker, an artistic winemaker in his community, and said, will you write a poem? Well, the man went to go write a poem. He looked at the passage of scripture that we're actually gonna be looking at. He got inspired, and he felt like, man, more than a poem, this could be a great song. So he went to a friend, who was a classical composer, a skilled musician, and the man wrote some orchestral music to go with it, and they performed it not long after that. And it became this big hit, and everybody loved the song. Well, the church in France found out that the guy who made it, who wrote the words, was a little sketchy, and the guy who wrote the music wasn't even a follower of Christ. So they said, we're not sure we should be singing this song. The problem is, even in 1847, it had already gone viral. And in America, they'd heard about it. And so the song just kept building in popularity until, this is amazing, I just learned this this week. The very first song of any kind broadcast over radio waves was Oh Holy Night in 1906. Why is that? Why, why does it just connect with us that way? I think it's because it's majestic and it's big and there's a sense of awe and wonder. There's so many great lines in the song, but, but I'm drawn to this one little line that I think resonates with all of us. A thrill of hope. You hear the music, you hear the sweeping, you feel the the bigness and the wonder of the song. And there's this sense that yet in the midst of what you're facing, in the midst of what you're going through, there's a reason to have hope. There's a reason to be joyful. I, I, I love the next line. A thrill of hope, not for perfect people, not for people who have no problems, not for people who have it figured out, but for a weary world. 
A world that feels overcome, a world that feels overwhelmed, a world that feels discouraged and maybe even alone, even then, this hope comes to us. I think it speaks to this longing that we all have, especially this time of year. It's a longing for awe, a longing for wonder, a longing to connect with something bigger than ourselves. We feel it, I think, year round, but it really becomes acute during this Christmas season. I was thinking about it. I grew up on a, in the Pacific Northwest on a little island where there's very little ambient light, so it would get really dark. And on certain moments, I would look up and see something like this, and I would be captivated with a sense of wonder. I mean, th this is an image, and I've seen, I've seen in, with my own eyes starry nights that were that breathtaking or more. And when you see that, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. Maybe for you it was something else that's a trigger for, for feeling a sense of awe and wonder, but you go, man, this is a big world, this is a big universe, I'm small, but I feel a connection to something bigger than myself. We want that. We have different ways of communicating, articulating it. Say we, we want a Christmas miracle, we want a special moment with our family, we want to feel a connection with something bigger than ourselves, and we're not the only ones. Our culture as a whole wants this. And I know this for certain because I experienced this week and it even had something to do with stars. This week I took my son and his cousin and we went to go see Star Wars on Thursday night with several thousand of our friends. We were among the lucky few who, when the tickets went on sale, we were in that three minute window where the tickets all sold out and we got to go see it. And I'm telling you, these people are passionate. If you're not part of the Star Wars tribe, let me give you a little window into their reality. They're not scared fully grown adults to dress up to a movie, right? Like bringing the Chewbacca masks. I actually said that in the last service and a guy goes, Pastor Jed, you'll never believe it. Chewbacca lives in the area. So maybe, just maybe, while you're out and about this Christmas, you may see Chewbacca. But these people really wanted to see Chewbacca. Some of them wanted to be Chewbacca. They're excited about it. They're clapping, why? It's just a movie, but there's something about it that makes you feel a sense of connection. Now, not everybody gets it. I asked my wife, I said, honey, do you wanna come see Star Wars with us? She says, no, I'm good. I saw one and that was enough for me. She said, I'm gonna stay home and watch Hallmark movies. I said, why are you watching Hallmark movies? They're all the same. I was like, honey, spoiler alert, here's what's gonna happen. There's a girl who's got a guy who treats her bad. They're supposed to be engaged. They're gonna break it off, and yet somehow during the holidays, a stranger's gonna come into her life. They're gonna magically fall in love, and in the end, it's gonna make no sense, but they're gonna get married. And she goes, I know, isn't it awesome? I go, that's terrible. <laughs> she goes, well, I don't like lightsabers and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's fair. But man, at the movie theater, people are clapping and they're cheering, they're excited. All that comes up is the letters and ba bum the song and the orchestra and everyone's like, this is awesome, why? A lot of it's dads bringing their kids because they want to feel that sense of wonder, why? Because probably like me, first movie I ever saw in a theater, I was four years old, 1977, I saw Star Wars and when the first ship flies over, you're like, this is amazing. And it didn't matter that the effects weren't that great, and it didn't matter that Luke was real whiny, but you just got into it. <laughs> you know, and you might be saying, well, Jed, of course you like it, you have to like it, your name is Jed, right? Like, you've been called the Jedi your whole life, which is true, and I don't mind that, but it really went next level. I have a son whose name is Luke, and our last name is Walker. <laughs> so my father-in-law goes, you gotta do it. You gotta make his middle name Sky, and I said, no, I will not. 
He's not going into town to get the power converters. That is not happening. If you're a Star Wars fan, that is a funny joke right there that I just pulled off. I was like, before I ever call him Luke Skywalker, I would call him Luke Han Solo Walker because Han Solo is my man. He shot first and that's how I roll. Anyways, we go to movies like that. Maybe that's not your movie. Maybe not, that's not your thing, but we, we want to feel wonder. We want to feel awe. We, want, we like special effects. We like things that are big. We like things that capture our imagination, that make us feel small, that make us feel like a child, that make us feel like wonder. And the reason we feel that way is because God created us that way, because he wants us to long for the awe and the wonder we can only find in him. Which brings us back to Luke chapter 2. Now, as a pastor at this time of year, at the Christmas season, we don't have a lot of material to work with. We gotta get creative. You may have never thought about this, but this is the stuff that we think about. They're really in the four gospels. Only two of the gospels even mention the Christmas story. When people give their lives to Christ and we say, hey, read the Bible, we always tell them, go to the book of John. Well, if you go to the book of John, John doesn't say anything about the Christmas story. But because it's familiar and we know it's real and there's lots of powerful things in there, don't get me wrong, but it happened to a really small group of people. You have Mary and Joseph, and then you have John the Baptist's parents, and then you have King Herod and the wise men, and we, they all make sense, and we all know what that's like. And then there's this one little group that many of us connect with because we've seen enough nativity scenes, and we've been in plays, and they're the group that's actually really helpful if you're trying to get a bunch of kids in a play because you just give them a, like a bathrobe and a headband, and anybody can be a shepherd. Now, the thing about shepherds is this. They don't make any sense to be in the story. Like it's normal to us, but for that first Christmas, on that first holy night, no one would have ever imagined that a shepherd would be included. It wasn't a glamorous job, it was manual labor, it was a difficult job, they were often smelly and they were gone a long time and, and, and it was not the kind of thing that was aspirational. If you thought that the God is gonna become a man and, and, and he's gonna come meet with people, you'd think famous people, important people, dignitaries would meet him and God says no, I'm gonna come and reveal myself among the very first to shepherds. Shepherds spend a lot of time with sheep. Sheep are like toddlers. They require constant supervision because they can be a danger to themselves and others, right? And so being a shepherd was not an easy job. It was thankless many times. You could go from being tediously bored to all of a sudden be very stressed out in a, in a short window of time. So here are these shepherds. An angel appears to them and says, guys, this is the big night. There was no buildup. Their, their, their wives weren't out, you know, Black Friday shopping. They, they didn't have kids who were going down to the advent calendars, counting down the days. There was no 10 more shopping days till Christmas. It was an ordinary night, like any other night, until this angel appears, overwhelms them, and gives them this message that tonight, God is becoming a man, and you're going to meet him. What an incredible moment. This is where we pick up the story here in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 13. We put it there in your notes, but we'll also have it on the screen. Here, I'm gonna read it to you. Here's what it says. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now just imagine for a moment. This is, there's been years and years of silence. No one had heard, God hadn't been speaking through prophets or anyone. People hadn't been seeing angels. These shepherds had never seen an angel. They had never even had friends who'd seen an angel. Not only do they see one, they see a whole company of them. 
What an overwhelming, they might have wondered, are we dead, are we alive, what's really even happening? It's bigger than special effects. This is an incredible moment that captures their attention. Look what it goes on to say. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love this. They have this experience, they have this moment, they have this incredible moment of awe and wonder and they don't go, that was nice. They say, we want more of this. What does this mean? How is this going to change our lives? It has a big impact on them. Look what it goes on to say. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. If you're familiar at all with the story, you know this is what happened. But stop for a minute and think about what this would have been like for those shepherds. Think about this. It's the middle of the night. They have all of their sheep there. Okay, now I know those of you who have children who came to church this morning, some of you are watching online because you didn't wanna get your kids ready to come to church, that's okay, no condemnation in Christ. We love you, enjoy it while you're watching online. Those of you who came here know what it's like to get the kids ready, to get them all in the car, and to get off to church. Sometimes you need a move of God just to get out the door. I have four kids, I know what it's like. I live where you live. These shepherds got all of their sheep in the middle of the night, and not just to go to a place where they were warmly greeted, they went to a cave to find a total stranger who just gave birth to a baby. That's awkward. Have you ever visited a friend in the hospital who just had a baby, and they invite you into the room, and you know it's a private space, and you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna pop in for a minute, drop off a gift, and then I'm gonna be on the way. And they invite you, and they know you're coming. These are total strangers. Mary, what's up? We're dirty shepherds. Can we see your kid? That's weird. But they were so moved by what God did in their lives that they couldn't not do it. They didn't know anything else to do but to obey. Look what happens. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said. Something happened in them so profound that they were articulated to others, they were able to articulate it to others in a way that they would have that same sense of awe and wonder. Mary treasured up all these things. She pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that, it, that they'd heard and seen which were just as they had been told. What a powerful moment. Now you might be saying, well Jed, that's great and thank you for the Christmas story, but what does that have to do with us? And, and, and the truth is, it has everything to do with us. If you've ever felt like life was just ordinary and one day was just going into the next, maybe you felt, as I have, distant from God. Does God see what I'm going through? Does God even care? Does God even know what I'm doing or what I'm going through, the pain I'm facing, the challenges in my family? Maybe you felt distant and alone. If you've ever felt that way, then the news and the story of the shepherds is good news, not just for them, but for you and me that God sees us, that he knows what's happening in our lives, that he cares, that he's familiar, and that he's a moment away from entering our life in a way that changes everything. Theologians use this big word to describe this story. They call it the incarnation. What it means is an infinite, incredible, uncreated God who created the heavens and the earth, put it on a form of a baby and came to be a man to come be with us because he loves us. You say, what, what is the point of all this? See, we, we love Christmas here at Milestone, not because we're nostalgic, not just because we love tradition, not because we're looking for a reason to make incredible, ornate, wood detail ornaments. I don't even know what those are called, but they're powerful. 
Our team made those. Why do we do all that? Why do we? Very, very simple. We believe every single life that's ever lived finds its culmination, its crescendo, its purpose, its validation in the moment when a human being connects and comes home to Jesus. That's what all of this is about. Everything we do is to set up a moment where not a single one of us would miss the opportunity like these shepherds to come home into a loving relationship with God. That's why we celebrate, that's why we do it. Because here's what we found, when you have a genuine life-changing moment, when you encounter the real Jesus, the reactions may be different, the story may be different, the circumstances may be different, but the one thing that's the same every time is you do not walk away without being changed. God comes to our lives when we're distant, when we feel alone, when we feel weary and without hope, and he comes to bring us his good news. If you were to stop and think about those moments in your life, the defining moments in your life, I, I'm certain that these shepherds, history doesn't tell us and the scriptures don't tell us what happened in the rest of their lives. But one thing we can be certain of is this was the first story they went to when they had a get together or a gathering or they were making a new friend. They told them about that night when they met God. And in the same way, when we think about our lives, the defining moments in our lives, moments that fill us with awe, moments that fill us with wonder, moments where everything changed, maybe it's a difficult time, maybe it's a painful time, maybe it's a glorious, incredible moment. We think about how it made us feel and then who we told it about. Who do we share it with? What did we do then to communicate it? What happens? What happens to someone? Before I pray for you, I wanna get real practical and think about this question. What happens to someone when they have a genuine encounter with God? Maybe this has happened to you, maybe it hasn't happened yet. Either way, I've found that in scripture and in life, there are certain commonalities that happen every time we have a genuine encounter with God. And the first one is this, you feel a sense of awe and wonder. You feel a sense of awe and wonder. And this is hard for us. Because as we've been saying, we've been joking about, we all want it, but it's a little bit tricky. Because we live in that tenuous place of, we wanna feel awe, we wanna feel wonder, we wanna be overwhelmed, but not too much. And we also kinda wanna know what's going on behind the scenes. We have this tenuous relationship with information because we've had more access to it than at any point in human history. I looked this week, there are 3.5 billion Google searches every day. My kids live in a very different world than I live in, right? Like I grew up with encyclopedias. Anybody remember those? And if you had to learn stuff, you had to look at a book. My kids walk into a room and go, Alexa, what's the weather outside? They just, it's a totally different existence. They Google everything, look everything up. And, and sometimes they're like, Dad, Grandpa, why don't you go back with your abacus? We got this figured out, right? But, but even then, even with all this information, we still want awe, we still want wonder, we still wanna feel this sense. And especially at this time of the year, we wanna be blown away by something. We wanna feel this sense that there's something other, there's something supernatural. 
I think about how you may describe it, what this looks like for you. Maybe for you, you love, you love to go hiking and maybe you, while you're hiking, you don't expect it and you see something, a, a beautiful scene, a beautiful vista and you're reminded how big the world is. I, I can remember being hiking one time and seeing a bald eagle and being like, that's incredible and it was close. Another time I saw a school of killer whales and you just, your breath is taken away. I have a friend who, who uh, loves Jesus and we've done ministry together, but he also happens to be a, a magician, an illusionist. And he said, Jed, the reason I got into that was because I remember being a little kid and the first time I saw this magic trick, it was, it was incredible. It took my breath away. I was captivated by it. And he said, I wanted to learn how to do that so I could provide it for somebody else. And as we started talking, he, he began to explain to me how all the magicians who do it professionally whether you're talking about David Blaine or Penn and Teller, it's a small community and they all know each other. And they all live in this tenuous place where they all got into it because they love that feeling of awe and wonder. And they loved it so much they wanna create, they wanna give their lives to it and they wanna create moments where other people can experience it. He said the challenging thing that no one ever tells you about is that the more that you provide it for somebody else, the harder it is to experience it yourself. They wanna keep coming back. He said, Jed, he's like, I love coming up with these different tricks and things that we do, but, but he goes, the thing that makes me a little sad is people love to see it, but the first thing they ask is, is, tell me how it works. Tell me how you did that. There's something in us that wants to experience it, but then we wanna go, well, how does it work and how did that happen and explain to me why it's not that big of a deal. I love that about the shepherds. They didn't do this. The shepherds didn't go, man, what about those angels? Could it have been a hologram? Was it Aurora Borealis? Did we eat some bad mutton? Who knows what they were saying? But they were like, no, this is incredible. We have to change, we have to be different. And here's what I want you to hear. Don't lose that sense of awe and wonder. It's why we like to be around kids at Christmas time. Many of you will go to great lengths to surprise your kids for that moment where they lose their mind when they find out they got what they were hoping for on Christmas morning. Many of you love the idea, maybe as a kid you lived in a place where it could snow and you were like, man, if it could just snow. You weren't going, what are the atmospheric conditions that need to happen? You weren't doing that, you're just like, please make it snow. And if it snowed, you woke up and said, it's a miracle. In the same way in our relationship with God, we spend too much energy and too much time going, well, well God, I want you to do something, but then explain to me how it's gonna work and what's gonna happen. Explain to me how all these little things are gonna, give me all the details, God. Tell me exactly everything to expect and then I'll decide whether or not I wanna participate in what you're doing. God doesn't work that way. And as we grow in Christ, the challenge for many of us is to not lose that sense of wonder. When you have a genuine encounter with God, here's the second thing that happens. It changes the way you live. I love this about the shepherds. They didn't just go, oh, that was nice. They were like, man, we're going. It doesn't matter how many sheep we have to wake up. It doesn't matter how awkward it's gonna be. We've gotta go. We've gotta do something about this. We can't stay the same. Many of us, when we come into a relationship with God, we wonder, what if I'm a hypocrite? What if I blow it? What if I make mistakes? What if I can't live up to the kind of husband or the kind of mom or the kind of friend God wants me to be? And we get paralyzed by that fear. The great thing is, God doesn't, he doesn't make our wonder, our, 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 our access to his power contingent on our perfection. All he asks is that we're willing, that we'll obey, that we'll take steps, that we'll keep moving towards him, that the same way that we saw him when we first saw him, that we'll never lose that sense of joy and faith and wonder. I love what the Bible says in Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. 
The way you felt the first time you saw his face, the way you felt the first time you experienced him, the way you felt when you knew it was other, you couldn't figure it out. Don't ever lose that. I think the reason people stop taking steps is because they lose their sense of wonder. Not that God stops doing things in their lives. Maybe you never thought about that, but if you to go a little bit further in the book of Luke, when, when Jesus becomes a man, he grows up, he's coming to his last week, he's coming to Easter, he comes to the city of Jerusalem, and as he's about to go to be tried and crucified, he looks at the city and he weeps and he says these words. He, he grieves, he's saddened for them. He said, if you'd only known the moment that you were living, if you'd only known the things that make for peace, you could have experienced me, but you had your chance and you missed it. I don't want us to miss our chance. When God comes near, I want us to receive him, to experience everything he has. I want it to impact your life and my life. Before I pray for you, here's the third thing, and really maybe the most important thing for us this week. The third thing that happens when you have a a genuine encounter with God is you tell others. You tell people about it. You're like, okay, Jed, hang on. I know where you're going on this. This is the thing where you're gonna start telling us that we have to be evangelistic and, 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 and that's a little radical. I'm not really that kind of a person. I'm more shy, I'm more faith is a personal thing. I like to keep it inside. I'm a little nervous right now even as you're talking because I'm wondering if you've got the church vans gassed up ready to go to Sunset Square to pass out flyers to just random people. Well, we, we don't have vans but, but that's not a bad idea. But anyways... You're like, that's other, that's radical. Only a few people, I've seen them on Facebook, I've heard of them. They're the same people who wear Chewbacca masks. I'm not really like that. But the truth is, you are like that. We're all like that. When we see something that blows us away, when we see something that captivates our imagination, we wanna tell other people about it. If you saw Star Wars already this week, you were like, man, I'm gonna tell my friends, and they're going, no spoilers, we haven't seen it yet. We love sports for the same reason, because the impossible happens. If an amazing thing happens at a sporting event, you text your friend, did you see the game? I can't believe that happened. I know that happens, because you do it to me. And the servant of the Lord is in God's house working while the game's going on. I'm recording it. You're spoiling it for me. I had a guy come up yesterday after the service, and he goes, Pastor Jed, I gotta be sorry. I know that you were talking about me. Thank you for not saying my name publicly, because here's what happens. When an amazing game happens, you're like, can you believe they came back? They were down by 87 points. And I was like, now I can believe it. We want that sense. We want to keep alive that sense of wonder because here's the thing. We can't help but share it if it's meaningful enough. Moms, you do the same thing. If you find a great product, you find a great class, you find a great thing for your kids, you tell everybody on Facebook. All we're asking you to do is simply that. See, you hear me say, okay, tell other people about Jesus. Tell other people about coming to celebrate Christmas at Milestone. And you're like, I I don't know if I'm really able to do that. What if they ask for a theological defense of the Crusades? I'm in trouble. So am I. It's okay. Maybe you're like, what if they try to tell me to explain how an uncreated infinite God could, could take on the form of a baby? How does that work? It doesn't seem to fit. Well, join the club. It doesn't seem to fit. But it happened. See, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. We make it really, really simple. All you have to say is this really simple question that says, will you come celebrate Christmas with me at Milestone? You'd be amazed at who says yes. We say yes to all kinds of crazy things at Christmas. You might think, well, they'll be intimidated. They may not like coming to Christmas services. They go to the mall. That's way harder. (laughs) And here's the thing. This isn't theory. 
See, this isn't like, maybe if, you, they, if we build it, they will come. This is not that. We know what's gonna happen. Thousands of people are gonna come into this room, experience God's presence, and have their lives changed. It's already happened all throughout the year. We've had over 500 decisions for Christ. We've had people's lives radically changed over and over. We show you videos, we tell you stories, we put it on the blog. I remember of a, one dad who was, uh, he said I was at football practice for my son's team and one of the other dads said, hey, you wanna come to church at Milestone? See, it's that simple. He came, he gave his life to Christ. His family is forever different because of what somebody said at a football practice. I think of another story of, of a mom who was getting ready to celebrate Mother's Day and she was like, honey, you don't gotta get me a spa massage or a gift card or any of that, just come to church for Mother's Day, that's all I ask. And he was like, I was nervous, I was afraid I was gonna come in there, some guy was gonna yell at me and he was gonna tell me God was mad at me. He said, it was nothing like that, I gave my life to Christ. Their family is forever changed. Moms and dads, maybe if you have adult kids, maybe this year tell them, skip the gift card, here's what I really want, come to church with me. Because if you have a great Christmas, if it snows, if you surprise your kids, if you have a miracle time and, and, and things are exactly how you want it to be, man, Christmas will be really good. But if someone you love, someone in your life, one of your children, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker who doesn't know God, comes and meets him, not because you persuade them, not because you have all their answers, not because you do the saving, but because God does. If that happens, it won't be a good Christmas. It will be an eternally changed, forever different, altering life experience Christmas that you will never, ever forget. We know this because it happens every year. I don't know if you have this, but look in your service guide. You see this little card, little door hanger, if you have one hanging out. Now, if you're an introvert, I got good news for you. It's baby steps. This is an introvert starter kit. If you play ding dong bitch as a kid, you're already halfway there. We only gave you one. All you gotta do is say, listen, will you go to Christmas at Milestone with me? That's all you gotta say. Hand them to you. Here's all the service times. If you're traveling, we got one on Wednesday. Whatever service time you want, it's all right here. You just hand it to them and you just say, listen, would you come with me? See, we have, we have, you have trust built up. You can make an ask sometimes where you just go like, I could explain to you all the reasons why you should do this. Just come, and the people will come. The person you think, yeah, they'll never come, and if they come, they won't like it. You'd be amazed at what God could do. Take this, maybe if you're like, oh, maybe you're watching online. All you gotta do right there, we have shareables. Just paste, click, copy, and paste. Put it in your stream, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's amazing, I was talking to somebody on our team last week. He said, I, used to, I, I post it all the time. And he said, you'll never believe what happened. I had somebody come up to me in the comments and they said, you used to post that stuff all the time on your, on your feed, it drove me crazy. And finally one week I came, got right with God, and here I am now in the church. You'd be amazed at what God could do. Some of you, as I'm saying this, you don't even have to pray or think about it. You know who you're supposed to bring, who you're supposed to invite. Maybe you've invited them before and you think, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does? Because as we come to a moment where we're gonna pray, we ask ourselves, what is God thinking about at Christmas? What is God concerned with? There are lots of different things. We think all the challenges, all the trouble in the world. Here's what I believe God really thinks about at Christmas. The same thing he thinks about every day, people. Out of the seven billion people on planet Earth, there's not a single stranger to him. 
There's not a single person who he's not intimately aware of what's going on in their lives. He loves them and he's calling them home and he's going to involve you in the process in a way that if you'll be willing to step out, be a little uncomfortable, you'll be filled with an awe and wonder to see what God can do. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we, we sense your presence. God, like those shepherds, God, many times we just get busy with our lives and with the things that are happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you do something. God, people have been telling me all weekend that, that, that through these services and through these moments that you've been speaking to them and encouraging them and challenging them. God, I thank you that this isn't just religion. It's not sentimental. It's not just traditional. But you're here with us. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe this is that moment where you meet him for the first time. Maybe you're wondering, well, Jed, what about the mistakes I've made and the things that if anybody knew about, I would be so embarrassed or ashamed. God knows all those things and he's not asking you to clean yourself up before you come home. Maybe you say, I don't know enough. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Just simply right there in that where you're sitting, just say, Jesus, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want this Christmas to be different. If you'll pray that prayer, he'll meet you right in that place. For those of us who've already prayed that prayer, think for a moment. We gave you even a little space there in your service, God. Ask this simple question. God, who are you asking me to bring? Who are you asking me to invite this Christmas? Not saying no for them, not saying, well, it couldn't be them. Just simply saying, God, just tell me who you want me to talk to and I'll go do it. Father, we thank you for the thousands of people are gonna come. You see everyone. We try our best to see everyone to make them feel loved and valued. We thank you that you're bringing sons and daughters home. We do all of this for you to give you honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 